is what does it look like for us to dream paradigm-bursting dreams about being crazy rich? Not wealthy in the world sense, but pouring our lives out in ways that changes the world and changes people and circumstances. Here we are, Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. And he had become, everybody shout, very rich. Crazy rich. There was a man there. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. Ha! He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will, this is what the focus is, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back. Four times as much. Everybody shout amen. 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 Please be seated. Lord bless us. All right, let me just talk to you about how we're using this word crazy. Everybody shout crazy. In our contemporary vernacular, and the young people, they teach us this, that if they use the term something like crazy big or crazy rich, what they're saying by using this notion of crazy is that uh, what they're pointing to is so huge. It's, it's so mind-blowing that it actually shatters whatever is the contemporary wisdom. Or it shatters what is perceived to be uh, the most immediate limitations. It, it just blows one's mind. I thought, wow, what a great way to talk about how God has shaped us and what God invites us in as we partner with him. The first thing that uh, if you have any experience dreaming crazy big dreams, because that's part of what God calls us to, you know that in the process of dreaming crazy big dreams, from time to time, those are the kinds of dreams that people tend to laugh at. When you say, you know, I'm going to do this, or I'm going I'm to be this, they tend to laugh. They find it hilarious, because it really pushes up against the limits of impossibility. I mean, uh, certainly you'll hear somebody say, man or woman, are you crazy. Yeah, stretches their sense of what's possible. But as a people of God, we ought not be afraid to be laughed at as God has shaped us to dream crazy big dreams. First of all, uh, God is a crazy big God. Shout crazy big God. And he has designed people to dream crazy big dream. Ask the person next to you, are you people? Are you people? (laughs) I want to come back to that point in a minute. Now, God is a crazy big God. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me illustrate it this way. Come on, ask me, I'm going to shout it out. How big is God? Shout it. God is so big 
that he gave shape and birth to the galaxy that we are a part of, the Milky Way galaxy that has two billion planets like the planet Earth that we're on, some larger and some smaller. The galaxy that we're in has more than two billion stars that light up this galaxy. Somebody shout, how big is God? God is so big that not only did he create and give birth to this magnificent uh, Milky Way galaxy, but he multiplied it to the extent that scientists have been able to identify at least two trillion galaxies stretched across the universe. That's just those that we've been able to find. Now, if you can imagine a God that is so big that he makes billions and trillions of planets and stars, and that is a God that says, I want to be in relationship with you. That is enough to make you bow in worship. That's the God we just finished singing about. He'll knock down any wall. He'll break through any lie. Because his love is chasing after you. You know why? Because that crazy big God has crazy big dreams. That includes you. He's invited us to partner with him in some magnificent ways. Here's how Paul talks about it in Colossians. I love one of my favorite passages. He just drives this point home. God is crazy big. He dreams crazy big dreams. And, 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 and they exist in God first and then they become reality. Here's what he talks about. He says this crazy big God reveals himself in Jesus Christ. And Christ is the visible image of this invisibly crazy big God. He, he existed before anything was created. Is supreme over all creation. Next verse. For through him God created everything. Shout everything. In the heavenly realms, all two trillion galaxies. This is the universe right here. And on earth, that's this planet. He made the things we can see and the things we can see. Shout crazy big God. Shout crazy big dreams. And he invites us. Be a part of it. Now, the other insight, I told you to ask the person next to you, are you your people, right? You people. Because God has designed us to mimic Him. Genesis 1, for example, verse 25 and 26. Uh, the Hebrew writer describes God's bigness. He says, God is so big that He actually can't, can't contain. God's self in one single pronoun, right? So when God talks to himself, the way the Hebrew writer writes this text, he says, you actually need a, a plural pronoun in order for God, the one God, to really speak to himself. That's, that's the Hebrew writer saying that if you can take all of the library definitions of God and line them all up back to back to back to back to back, and they would stretch for miles, if you will, uh, halfway across the planet. When you finish lining up all of the descriptions of who God is, you would still have to put dot 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 he's all of that and then some shout crazy shout crazy big he's all that and then some so when God speaks to him says let us let us make human beings 
And here it is. Shout our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and have dominance over what he created. Verse 27. Watch this. Here's my favorite point. So God created human beings in his own image and reflected them. In the image of God, he created them. What? Male and female, he created them. Now, here's the insight of that incredible point. Every man and boy uh, reflects a portion of the image of God. Every woman and girl reflects uh, the image of God. It, it, it does not matter how, 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 how strong the man is or how weak the man is. He reflects the image of God. It does not matter how good looking he is or how average looking you might be. Come on. It, you reflect the image of God. It doesn't matter how powerful the woman may be or how, or, 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 or how unemployed the woman may be. She still reflects the image of God. It doesn't matter whether this person is eating out of a trash can and sleeping in a, in a, in a, in a sleeping bag on the side of the street and you might not know his name but God knows his name and he reflects the image of God and it means that every one of us have a God-given dignity and whether you know it or not God has attached some crazy big dreams to your life this is the God who said to Jeremiah in chapter 1 he says uh, while you were in your mother's womb I, I knew you, I named you, I called you, and I assigned you to a purpose. Before you were in, you know, I like to say it this way, before you were in your mother's womb, you were in God's will. Life has a way of knocking us off of the bicycle of living, doesn't it? It can knock us down, but it doesn't change the fact that God has crazy dreams for you. He invites us into this space. Now, there's two ways based on what Genesis says. Genesis says, God has made me so that I reflect God. God has made you so that you reflect God. There's two ways in which we reflect God. First thing is, you and I, we reflect God because we have the faculty, the capacity to imagine this notion of image is at the heart of the word imagination. And, and it is the fact that God has given us all the gift of imagination. What does that mean? It means, notice the word image is built into the word imagine. That's the, that's the ability to see a picture. And so to imagine is the ability, listen to me, it is the ability to see it before it exists. Isn't that kind of remarkable? Because does that not remind you of the God that we are shaped after? Because Genesis 1 tells us that he stepped out on nothing in the midst of darkness. And, 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 but in his mind, he saw light first. And he called forth and light showed up. Come on now. And in his, in his mind, he saw galaxies and planets and mountains and oceans and butterflies and roses budding. And, and because it existed in this, he saw it before it existed and he called it into existence well now that's how humanity has been shaped to shape the world in partnership with God look at this building how beautiful it is how well lit it is how well designed it is and yet I dare say to you that before this 
building existed on the planet, it first existed in some architect mind. Went down on a piece of paper and then constructed. You see, some architect saw it before it existed. Look at the clothes that you're wearing. Some of y'all, if we had a modeling day, you would just step out and, and you, you would show your stuff off, right? Uh, 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 what I like about here, because we can dress like, you know, we, we're going to, 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 you know, some high school, because the looting stuff, you can drop like you're just going to, going to work. It's all cool. But, but whatever you're wearing, guess what? Before you lifted it off of the rack, it existed in somebody's mind as a design. And it went from the, the design in the mind to a design on paper, and it showed up on the rack. Come on now. How did you get here? You drove maybe in or drove a car. That car was designed generationally by engineers who kept seeing it before it existed. And now we live in a world full of Toyotas and Teslas. And one of the ways that you and I, we reflect God is that he's given us the ability to see it before it exists. All right, here's the question. What is the it that God's trying to get you to see before the it exists. What is the it that God is trying to get you to dream crazy bit about, big about? Maybe it's about your family or it's about a product in the world. Or, or, I, I don't know what, what is the it that you've been so busy that he's trying to get you to, or you have such low confidence in yourself. But there's an it. He's trying to get you to see before, before it can exist, you have to see it. Shout imagination. And then, and then, and then as we move down uh, uh, to this, to this deal. Let, 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 let me, uh, I'll go ahead and put this in. You guys at 12 noon, you get a little extra. They, they talked about, let me illustrate it. They talked about old school cafe. The woman who owns, runs, managed, conceived a old school cafe is, okay, is a lady by the name of Teresa Goins. Teresa used to be a, um, a security guard in a prison system. And as she related in the prison system, she saw all these young men and women who kept recycling. And something happened in her heart that said, that said, that said, there has to be a better way. And, 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 and then God sparked her imagination and she saw it. She, she, she saw what in her mind a restaurant that would be able to, as they come out of prison and out of, out of lockdown, they could come not just on the street, but come into the restaurant and, and she would line them up with jobs to do and career training and, and counseling. And so she dreamt it. She began to talk to people about it and God began to send money and provide a facility and created people who partnered with her. And now, come on now, uh, 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 hundreds of young people have come out of prison through that restaurant. Come on now. And rather than going back in the prison, they have entered into life and they, they are living out the big dreams that God has for them because she saw it 
Child imagination. Oh, is there an it? Is there an it to God? Regardless of your age, regardless of your economic quote unquote advantage or disadvantage, God says, is there an it? Secondly, the point is embedded in the Timothy text. Let me, let me say, the second way that I and you reflect God is that he's given us a heart. Not physiological, I'm not just talking about the physiological, I'm talking about the source of the capacity to be loved and to love. Come on, say it with me, say to be loved and to love. Now, I want you to watch this First Timothy text. Let's read it. Uh, chapter 6, verse 17. Uh, he's going to throw it up. Here it is. Now watch this. Paul is writing to Timothy, and through Timothy, he's writing to me. Here's what he's saying to me. He says, uh, Hamilton, teach those who are rich. Stop right there. Somebody said, wait, wait, he, you, you, the wrong sermon. Because <laughs> I'm not rich. <laughs> Should I come back next week? Because if you're talking about those who are rich, you clearly are not talking about me. So I, I, I thought I paused right there to remind us that, 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 that if you're making $35,000 up, you are among the top, uh, the 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. Say to the person next to you, wow, it sure doesn't feel that way. <laughs> you, you, you know why? Because America is opulent. America is crazy rich. Come on now. And, and because America is crazy. I did not say you're in the top 1% of Americans. Because in order to be in the top 1% of Americans, you have to earn $450,000 a year. I didn't say that you're in the top 1% of the wealthiest people in America. Because in order to be in the top 1% of the wealthiest people of America, because we're so blessed, because we're so opulent. Come on now, because we're so crazy rich as a nation, you have to earn about $7 million a year to be in the top 1% of American wealthy people. But, 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 but if you earn Thirty-five thousand dollars an elementary teacher, uh, thirty-five thousand dollars a year. You are in the top one percent of the wealthiest people on the globe. When we compare what you make to what most people make, the other ninety-nine percent. Now I know it doesn't feel that way because we live in Silicon Valley, and Silicon Valley is crazy. Forget the rich, just crazy. <laughs> it doesn't feel that way because uh, many of us are over leveraged. Our credit cards are packed out to max, right? And we're over leveraged because we have inquisible appetites driven by a materialistic culture of trying to keep up with the, with the Joneses or the, or the, or the, or the, or the Lees or, or, or whoever you're trying to keep up with. Shout crazy rich. All right, so he said, so House of Hammond, talk to the folk in your pews in America who are rich in this world, not to be proud and not to trust 
in their money. See, one of the problems is if you're in America and if you're poor, you tend to think that if I get enough money, it will solve my problems. That's an illusion. If you're anywhere in the world and you're oppressed, you tend to think if I eliminate, meaning kill my oppressor, it will solve my problem. That's an illusion, Paul is arguing. If you are in America and you're watching, come on now, if you drive up down the streets of Palo Alto, I live in Palo Alto, you see as many Teslas, come on now, as you see Toyota Corollas, come on. And and if you're not careful, you'll start chasing after being a Tesla owner, come on now, thinking that your value is, it it goes up because you got an expensive car. Paul is saying, that's an watch the text he says just trust in their money which is so what the stock market crashes come on now uh, uh, up and down just two days ago it's been crashing for two days their trust should be in who who ritually provides us, come on now, with the need. He's given us this planet. That's what he's talking about, our enjoyment. Watch this next verse. Come on. Tell them, I want you to listen for something now. Tell them to use their money not, not to please their insatiable appetites. Tell them to use their money not to try to go to the next highest rim just for the sake of being rich, for the sake of being rich. Come on now. Tell them to use their money. Watch this. Listen for something now. To do good. Shall do good. To be rich in good works and generous. Shall generous. Well, I got to come back to that next week. To those in what? Always being ready to share with what? Others. Don't that sound like love? All right. All right. Here's what Paul has backed us into. Paul is saying that if God has designed you, and he did, and he's given you imagination, and he has, and you have the ability to dream crazy big dreams, and you do, Paul says at the end of the day, the real measure of the dreams you dream is not so much the dream themselves, but the motivations for the dreams. And what Paul is saying is that, listen, what Paul is saying that that the motivation for whatever the big dream is you're dreaming ought to be rooted in love. Everybody shout love. Listen, there are two kinds of doctors in the world. There, There are two kinds of plumbers in the world. There are two kinds of principals, school principals in the world. There are two kinds of, there are two kinds of, of engineers in, 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 in the world. Everybody shout two kinds. There's the kind that does what she or he does to get more money. And there's the kind that does what she or he does to help people. To make the world a better place. Come on, to be a blessing and not just to secure a blessing. And what Paul is saying, come on now, is that you ought to dream big dreams about how to make the world a better place, how to be a better blessing, how to, how to, how to, how to, how to help others rather than just being a recipient of help. Regardless of your 
context. You know what this means? Our imagination works because God's power sparks it. That's where the dreams come from. That's what I believe. Our love works. Our hearts work. Because God sparks our heart with love. So here's my suggestion. If you peel back a lot of the stuff that's driving innovation, you'll discover that there are a lot of people doing loving things even though they don't know the God of love. They don't even know where the spark comes from. Let me prove it. Steve Jobs it was just like Zacchaeus in the text. Uh, he reached the height of being wealthy and successful based on world standards. But I submit to you that he did not create the Apple phone or the iPad or the Apple watch or the laptop from waking up and asking the question, how do I become more wealthy? That was not the motivation that drove him to innovate and change the world the way he has. I prove it. He's, he, he quoted one day, uh, put the cemetery quote up there. Here's what he said in the prime of his life. He said, being the richest man in the cemetery doesn't matter to me. Somebody made to read that. Going to bed at night saying we, meaning the team, has done something what? Wonderful. Something that makes life better for other people. Uh, that's what matters to me. It's the spark of God's love. And he didn't even, he wasn't even aware of the consciousness of how God was operating. All right. Now let me tell you where it started. At 13 years old, he went to his pastor. He said, Pastor, if I raise up a finger, does God know what finger I'm going to raise up before I raise it up? And the pastor said, yes. And then he pulled from behind his back a magazine, a life magazine. And on the front cover, 1968, was two poverty-stricken kids that were dying for hunger. And he said to the pastor, does God know where these kids are? And if so, how come he's not helping them? And the pastor's answer was so unsatisfactory that Steve walked out of the church and walked out of faith and walked away from God, which was tragic. But how many of you know that even though when you walk away from God, God doesn't walk away from you? <laughs> and and I tell you that that what drove him, what drove him to go and build the company. And, 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 and he imagined, he dreamt of having a computer in every household long before people thought he was crazy. But he said, no, because if I can put a computer in every household, come on now, that, that's some justice. And well, I can equalize, I can level the playing field. If we can build a phone that, that, that poor people and wealthy can, 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 can have ultimately across the continents. If, if, if I can do that, I, I, 
I can make the world a better place now. I wish Steve was here today and just let me be his pastor for just one minute because I'd say, Steve, that's a great question. And here is the answer to your question. Does God know where they are? Yes. Does God have an answer? Yes. Where's the answer? It's the spark of love that he put in your heart. It's the thing that makes you want to do something about it. That's God at work in the world. So let me close here. I got a minute and 12 seconds. <laughs> Somebody say dream crazy big. <laughs> but I'm going to close it. Part of what makes us susceptible to what God wants to do is that we have to experience God's unconditional love. And most of us, we don't know what unconditional love is. You know, we, we, life feels conditional. When you grow up as a kid, and you do well on your grades, you get rewarded. If you don't do well on your grades, you get challenged. You, you may get punished. Uh, and, and that kind of feels conditional. It's not meant to be, but it feels conditional. On your, on your job, if you do well, you get a performance review and a raise. Come on, and promotion. If you don't, you don't get any of that. That feels conditional in your house. There's some spouse that has said, listen, uh, uh, you don't ever clean up behind yourself, so we just going to have a dirty house. I'm not cleaning up nothing else anymore. Come on now. That, that, that just feels conditional. Uh, 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 and, 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 and we don't really know what real unconditional love looks like. But when Jesus showed up and called Zacchaeus by name and said, I want to come to your house, even at the risk of my own personal reputation and in his house, obviously, I believe he just shared with him the love of God. You know, Paul writes about the love of God. Here's what he says. He says, he says, wow, we were yet sinners, shall yet sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. That's why he was going through Jericho, headed to Jerusalem to die on the cross. Now, check out the unconditionality. What he's saying is, I'm going to die on the cross, and some of y'all going to live your whole life and totally ignore my death on the cross. I'm going to pour out my blood for you long before you make any decision to follow me. You might decide, and you might not decide, but I'm so courageous. I'm so sacrificial. I'm so tenacious in my love. Come on now. That is unconditional. It's extravagant. That's how I love you. And when you understand that, come on now, that fills the empty places in your life and it changes the kind of dreams you dream. And that's what happened to Zacchaeus. He said, I want to dream a different kind of dream. If I've, I want to give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, he says, for you. And if I've taken taxes from folk, I'm going to pay it back four times. Watch it. Part of what changes the, the source of your dreams has to do with what kind of dream questions you have. Put the four up here and I'm finished. Watch his dream questions. So many of us are trying to figure out how to get to the top of the ladder to bring honor to ourselves so that the pages of history will never forget us. 
But Zacchaeus, that was his life up until he met Jesus. Afterwards, he, he started saying, God, what can I do to honor your heart? So he said, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, it's for you. Secondly, uh, how can I make life? So many of us ask the question, our dreams are driven by how can I make life better for me? But when you've had a full, a sure enough encounter with the unconditional mercy and grace and love of God, you, 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 it begins to come back out in this form of a question. How can I make life better for others? So many of us are trying to figure out how to make the world better for me. But, 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 but Jesus calls us to begin to think about how do I make the world just better? And, 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 and how can I love in crazy big way.